Welcome to the Franchise You Podcast, where key industry leaders provide education and inspiration. Here's your host, Dr. Kathy Gosser, the director of the Yum Center for Global Franchise Excellence at the University of Louisville. So our guest for the very first Franchise You Podcast is an industry legend. Mike Grams is the president and the global chief operating officer for Taco Bell, the number one Mexican-inspired quick-service restaurant in the world. So why did we choose Taco Bell for our first brand conversation? Well, you know, every year, Entrepreneur Magazine evaluates all the franchises in the country, and they rank the top 500. They look at things like support, growth, the cost and fees, brand strength, brand support, financial strength, and stability. And guess which brand was number one in 2021? You guessed it, Taco Bell. So why Mike Grams? Well, Mike started with Taco Bell as an assistant manager in Detroit, Michigan in 1991. When he was fresh out of training, he was gung-ho to begin his journey. And he tells a story of when he first started, he was so excited and he quickly realized this is really hard work and I'm not sure if it's for me. But he persevered, he worked hard, he found his way, and now he has one of the top positions at Taco Bell. So we're going to start our conversation learning a little bit more about Mike's journey and Taco Bell, but we really want to focus the majority of our time on the franchisees of Taco Bell. Those are the true heroes of the brand. So Mike, welcome. So how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks, Kathy, for the rousing uh, introduction, and thank you for putting together Franchise U. Uh, exciting to see the work in the community, the work across the franchise. This will benefit a lot of people. That is the plan, to educate and inspire. So let's start with your early days. Let's talk a little bit about you, because you know I enjoyed doing that, and I had a part of your history along the way. But let's talk about your early days. What maybe was your biggest learning by working in a restaurant starting at that level? Yeah, I think you captured it well at the top end. Uh, you don't know what you don't know. And and uh, taking an opportunity to go work in a restaurant sounded really exciting when I started. Back in those days, we were owned by PepsiCo. It was a terrific opportunity to start your career and grow. Uh, went through the training experience, was incredibly excited about, uh, you know, I got to eat the food for free. I got to meet some wonderful people. Uh, the experience was terrific. And then you go out into a the real world, as it's called in the restaurant industry, where you have to go in and lead a group of people that you don't know, you have to learn a brand that you really aren't comfortable with yet, you don't know enough about it. And you have to inspire people to actually do a terrific job every single day. And uh, that sounds great on paper. I think for me personally, it was just putting it all together at the pace that was required uh, was a big challenge. And I, I remember going and telling my wife, um, you know, 30 years we've been married. And I remember going to her after six months and saying, hey, I I think I made a bad decision here. And she's like, well, why? And she's like, I said, I'm not good at this. I seem to get the decisions wrong. People look at me like a little funny. Hey, does he really know what he's doing here? And lo and behold, um, she challenged me that day to say, hey, look, you got to give it a year. And if you feel any, if you feel this way after a year, then maybe it was the wrong decision, but give it another year. And thankfully she did, because I think for me, the light bulbs went off in the next six months where I learned that I didn't need to be uh, the best at making the tacos or sweeping the floors. I needed to learn how to teach others and how to inspire others. And, and then you start to get the most out of the experience of leading people uh, and making an impact, I think, which is uh, the, the best part about the job. You know, Mike, I really appreciate you being so vulnerable about wondering, is this right for me? Because I think so many of us in our career path have felt that way. Were there any other moments where you kind of questioned yourself? 
Uh, tons, uh, almost daily. And I honestly think now in hindsight, that's when you learn the most uh, is if you can get yourself to a spot to say, hey, look, it's okay to fail fast, learn forward and continue to, uh, you know, just get the most out of every situation you're in. And I think that uh, that isn't always easy, right? Every When you're a leader in charge of a business, in charge of a team, you know, you want to be right and you want to be able to help people and make a difference. And, and sometimes it takes different paths. So there's plenty of times throughout the career where, you know, things don't go as exactly as planned, but at, at moments in time, you got to, you know, kind of persevere, you develop grit, uh, and, and you really hold true to what your beliefs and your foundation are, and you rely on others. I think that's the biggest single piece of any learning experience is you rely on other people to teach you more than you can possibly teach yourself. It's, it's a terrific experience. You know, when you talk about relying on others, you think about our franchisees and the franchise system and what you can learn from them, because many of them have been in business probably since Glenn Bell started in 1962. So I'm sure you still have a few of those legacy franchisees who are teaching even you a thing yeah. or two these days. I can only imagine. So did you ever aspire this big to be the very top of this brand? You know, honestly, I did not. I think my goal was, I remember wanting to be a restaurant training manager. I wanted to be responsible for the area training. And I was really excited about that potential. And then I think as you work different jobs and, and you get the opportunity to do um, new things, I think what I was very fortunate to work with leaders along the way that really looked out for me. When I say that, I mean, they didn't necessarily make a promise of something that I could achieve. It was, we will put you in position. If you do your part and lead and grow, the opportunities are going to be, be there for you. And along the way, I took a lot of different turns. I took on uh, troubled markets to demonstrate, uh, to learn how to lead in those environments. Uh, I remember a market I took over years ago where it was a high performing on paper, a high performing market sales customer scores were off the charts, but when we stood in front of the team, I'll never forget just the feeling of a flat culture and what people weren't excited and, and really as excited as they should have been for the results that they had. And so that, that turnaround for me was how do you build a team culture and make them and actually get more because you invest even more in them and, and go through. So taking on opportunities, taking risks, demonstrating courage and a belief again, that you have to trust the people around you um, that they're good. They want you to be successful. And if you do your part, um, you kind of have that. It's a little bit of blind faith, but over time it becomes trust and, and it, it carries you through your career. And I have seen that because in all, in all candor to the audience, Mike and I worked together for a number of years while at Yum. And what I always appreciated was you helped others along the way as well. You cheer on people, you help them, you support them. And I think that that also helps you progress. So let's talk a little bit about the Taco Bell business. So back when you started in 1991, Taco Bell was not the powerhouse that it is today. Is that fair? That's more than fair. It was a very small West Coast brand trying to become global. Exactly. And look at it today. So would you mind walking us through a little bit about a little bit of that growth and what you assess the success to? Sure. The early days of Taco Bell, uh, really Taco Bell uh, became known for, uh, there's a couple of firsts in our, in our, we talk about this all the time, the first to really go extreme value and generate transactions through value. This is again, when the, the, the brand was maybe 2000 restaurants and primarily West Coast, middle of the country. And as expansion uh, went east, uh, the brand under John Martin back at the time really became a 
um, you know, a, known for being a brand of first. It was the first to do uh, drink stations in the dining room and offering free refills. It, as I mentioned, it was the first value menu. Remember Little Richard commercials? And I remember as a young guy looking at those going, wow, how exciting is that? And of course, you love the food, the Mountain Dews, the Mexican pizzas and the Nacho Grandes. And then, um, and, and back then we were primarily a, a company driven organization. 90% of the restaurants were owned by the corporation. Uh, into the 90s, we refranchised and flipped the business model and actually went to a predominantly franchise uh, driven model. So it was 80% franchise, 20% corporate owned. And I think uh, those were really big kind of moments for us because what it, it really the brand took off after that. And, and I think the reason that happened is number one, when you become a franchisor, you're put in a position where you have to listen. And listening generates good things uh, if you're really open and you're truly listening. Uh, it generates more ideas. It creates more collaboration. Uh, and the brand, as it became more focused on how do we innovate, how do we, you know, continue to val you know, bring value to consumers, and then how do we ultimately grow the brand and start building restaurants? I think we built 3,000 restaurants in the 90s, which was, you know, just massive explosive growth. Uh, but that came together because we had franchisees that invested in us. Um, we started to recognize how valuable franchisees can be to your business. And, and then certainly along the way, there were things that I think went uh, well in, with product innovation that helped that excitement and kept people really energized about Taco Bell. Worked the business model, worked through some things to make it a more profitable business so franchisees could take their capital and put it back into the business in different ways. Uh, and then in 2000, maybe, I don't know, there were three or four products in 2002, three and four, the quesadilla, the Crunchwrap, and the grilled stuff burrito. Those three products changed how Taco Bell consumers uh, enjoyed Taco Bell because they became portable. It put the drive through became the power play in a restaurant. Uh, it was all about por portable uh, value, affordable and innovation. And uh, so the brand had another big run that kind of went through that. And then in 2011, the brand had, you know, had gone through some hiccups and a little stagnant. And um, Greg Creter at the time, our CEO, um, was working with Frito-Lay on this great product called the Dorito Locos Taco. And, you know, a, a very good example of the power of collaboration, you know, working with a, another partner who both have really big interests and things they want to protect about their brands, but putting it together uh, and, and, and introducing that product. And it really created, catapulted Taco Bell to another level in the last nine, nine years. It's just been an amazing run of growth. And what's happened is, you know, through the tough times with your franchisees, how you work together builds this resilience. It builds this trust. The, the power of collaboration always becomes kind of the centerpiece of it. And, and that comes from a deep-rooted understanding that, you know, look, I can, I can never claim in my career to have invested as much as a franchisee invests with us. And uh, when you go through those tough experiences together and you get the big shiny moments that come out of it, it's amazing. And, and you continue just to build that partnership along the way. But, you know, I know that's not everywhere, but it, it, for us, it's, it's rooted in relationship, trust. We don't do things without talking about it together. We don't, we don't launch products. We don't ask you to spend money unless we really truly understand the why, what's the benefit to the consumer, the business and our people. And when you keep that balance going, um, really good things happen. Long-winded answer, but uh, you can tell there's a lot of excitement there on, on the brand and what it's accomplished and what's left in front of us. I love to hear about what's left in front of us. But first, I want to go back for a moment because you talk about listening to franchisees. You know, it's, it's really easy to talk about, well, let's just listen to people. 
it's very difficult to really do it. Can you be a little more prescriptive on how you do listen to your franchisees and how you take what they tell you and leverage it? Yeah, there's a couple of things. First off, I grew up in the business as a corporate restaurant general manager who had a lot of fun, loved leading a restaurant, enjoyed the people. And when they came to me and said, look, you know, we want you to grow. And for that to happen, you're going to have to learn more about the business franchisees, the business model. And I remember sitting and we used to have these meetings called DMA meetings where you get the franchisees together. And particularly this was in Chicago at the time. And I remember I went into this and I had a great leader who I was working for said, just go there and sit in the back of the room and listen and learn. And um, I didn't know what that meant, but what I quickly realized when I showed up with these dynamic personalities, all people that had been invested in the brand, all had strong thoughts on what the brand needs to do to be even more successful. You learn a lot by watching personalities, hearing their enthusiasm and passion for what they believe in, and you start to put it all together, right? So how do I go forward and, and, and have to influence these leaders? Um, and sometimes that's a positive plus easy thing to do, and other times it's a difficult conversation. But that was the foundation for me in growing up in the business that I learned is you, you, you get more out of it by really understanding where people are at. Today's world, it's really not different is when you have difficult decisions to make or you have big challenges to overcome, it starts with picking people. And actually, when I say listening, it's not, um, it's not hey, I have an idea. Do you think it would work? Hey, we have a problem. Here's some sides to the problem what do you think we should do? And, and it, it isn't always, you know, hey, it comes forward with an idea. Uh, I think you should do this. And you take it back and you talk to other people in the same manner. So it's, it's problem solving together. And, and that to me is the listening piece. We do listening tours quite often, a couple, couple, two or three times a year, where you just go out regionally, you get a group together and you just put the topic out there. You don't have a prescribed agenda or things you need to get out of it, but it's just putting it out there and you scrum it out and, and you, you learn from those experiences. And then you go back and say, okay, maybe we can go this direction to benefit the brand, our franchisees, our people and everyone. And generally it works and it works well. Mm -hmm. Has there ever been a time where you've heard something and you realize, I can't do anything with that. A franchisee says something to you and there's really not a lot you can do about it. And while you're thinking, I'll give you an example of a, of a trip I had. This has been years ago. I was in the Southwest part of the country with a Taco Bell franchisee. And at the time you were selling a, a it was a, some type of nacho grande for 99 cents with just a ton of stuff on it. I mean, just like a massive eat, right? So we're going through the drive-thru and he's with me in the car and I said, hey, look at, um, that's, a, that's an interesting product. Tell me about that product. The first thing he said to me was 50% food cost. <laughs> so when you think about that, what he's saying is, it's a great product. It's costing me so much money. I can't make money. Now mm -hmm. I know there's the corporate side where you get add-ons, et cetera. Yeah. But how would, how would you address that? Like there, gotta be, there's gotta be some of that friction. How do you yeah. address it? There's friction all the time. I think the biggest friction point in the relationship always comes when you as a, some, a franchisor for the brand, you're the brand and you're, you've got a vision that is long-term and sometimes it requires an investment upfront, whether it be capital, spending on equipment. I think the product value is an investment in your future. That's a really good example and quite common today is, look, you, you know, and I think that, I think it's a, it's a great question. If you think about it this way, if you go into every problem thinking you're going to solve it, 
you're, you're gonna run out of solutions really quick. Um, the best problems are often solved over a conversation first and a better understanding of the person's point of view. And then you come back and you can find solutions. But it, again, it often takes, look, a franchisee has a, has a lot invested in a brand. It's chosen you and that's an honor and a privilege. When we work together on the whys, the consumer benefit, we have vision to see how it all lay, layers together for a better future for both of us. Uh, I don't know many franchisees that say no to that uh, because they all want success and getting through. Now, again, trust, relationship, do what you say you're going to do, listen. Those are the, the embedded principles, I think, that drive success at whatever the, the challenge is that you're trying to overcome. And you said a couple of things there that are important. So value is an investment, you're right. But then you also talked about trust. And that was a time when the brand probably wasn't where it is today. Mm -hmm. So it was the early 2000s. It was a very different time than what you're looking at. And I was, I was reading about something you all have started with this new type of restaurant called Go Mobile. And I read that you were expecting 2 billion drive-through customers in a year's time. Yeah. And so how do you get franchisees? I mean, obviously 2 billion customers is going to get all of us excited, but how do you get them ex excited and change their mindset and want to invest in this Go Mobile? Maybe first of all, you tell us a little bit about the Go Mobile sure. and then tell us how you've been able to bring your franchisees along. So here's a great example of how the, when it works beautifully, the, the output that comes out. So in the middle of the pandemic last year, we got together with some franchisees and the business had stabilized a lot. So people knew that we were, there was a potential to get to the other side. People were paying their bills. The business had kind of leveled off a little bit in a good place. And we got a group of franchisees together and said, hey, there's some dynamic changes going on with the consumer right now. The, the rush to digital, the order head environment, the home delivery, curbside pickup, um, the new normal had like just blasted everybody in the face and you were trying to figure out what to do. And we, got a, we huddled together with a group of franchisees and said, hey, the drive-through is going to remain a big part of what we do for our future. It's already 75% of our business. And at the time, the peak of, the, of last year probably got to 90%. And we got together franchisees and said, hey, what you all have a lot of restaurants you want to build, uh, a lot of restaurants you want to build for Taco Bell. What do you think, what are the changes you think we need to make? And it was a very open-ended question and Go Mobile was born out of that conversation. So when you have the relationship right, you have the commitment, you have an understanding and a trust build, uh, you can sit down and, and make really quick decisions as a system. And we got that out there in um I think it was like 120 days from discussion to design concept. Uh, and, and we've got now they're in the ground and, and going. And so we're excited about Go Mobile because it essentially creates this world. It meets the consumer where they're at today. They want easy access to the brand. You have that through drive-through. You have it through an online order app, order ahead environment. They want to be able to uh, get in and out of your parking lot. They don't necessarily all want to come in and sit in the dining room, but they want it easy and fast. And it really sets us up for the future to meet the consumer. Imagine this, where you order on your app, you arrive at the restaurant, and the restaurant directs you where to go. Oh my God. Drive throughs faster today, curbsides faster oh on Friday. That's the future. Think of it as air traffic control. And, and then inside the restaurant, you have the latest technology. That, that is our innovation for food at Taco Bell has spilled now into restaurant design and it's playing out with our franchisees. We have our franchisees, actually some of the biggest ideas in the last 10 years, uh, whether it's the Las Vegas Cantina, which is the highest volume Taco Bell in the system, franchisee idea. We co-designed co with him, but it was his idea, his thinking. And, you know, when you have that 
that mojo and you have that relationship with each other that you can trust and say, look, one restaurant, let's do it. Let's just go fast and see what we can do. And it, it makes the job incredibly fun. And I think franchisees get energy when they see their, their peers doing things for Taco Bell. It gets you excited. It makes you want to be part of it. Absolutely. Is that the one where you can get married? Yes. Yes. That's the one. Yes. I've seen that. That is something else. So yeah. well done. Well, speaking about, let's talk about your franchisees. And I know you love to talk about them, so this will be fun. But first of all, in your mind, what makes a successful franchisee for Taco Bell? You know, I've seen it happen and it's not a size, uh, a size of an organization really, because I've seen it happen as a one store operator and I've seen it happen as a 300 store operator. The, the ingredient for a successful franchisee is someone, um, obviously you got to have money to get in the business and buy your restaurants, but you got to be committed to the brand and, and have a long view on what you want to accomplish with, with Taco Bell. Um, you have to be, uh, I think, I think the, the key, biggest ingredient are the franchisees that put people first in their business, meaning not just a job with a paycheck. I offer you more. I offer you a career. I offer you an opportunity to own restaurants. I create a leadership academy where you can grow. And the belief that, it, you know, start with us, stay with us is ideal. But sometimes people are going to start with you and they're going to leave and I want to make them a better person. And I can think of the Takala organization down in the, in the south part of the U.S. where, you know, they started very humbly with maybe 30 stores and, and some trying times and have built this magnificent organization that is truly people first. And their belief is, you know, you take care of the people in the restaurant, you do the right things day to day, and it pays back to you, uh, in the, you know, through your customers. I think of the Anglers, which were up at, they're up in Minnesota, and they, the two brothers, Jeff and Lee Angler, who, uh, you know, answered a newspaper ad with, uh, with interest to become a Taco Bell franchisee, took a leap of faith and took a couple of restaurants and now have 190. And what's amazing about them is I've had a chance to watch them from go small to big and go through their own family evolution to, to, to the next generation coming in and doing it. Um, we have equity groups that have come in, uh, family office groups that have come in, and everybody's hungry to get into the Taco Bell business model. But they come in and, and we do a good job of just really reminding them what it means to be a Taco Bell franchisee. And, and it's not a requirement or a standard. There are standards and there's requirements, but this is a commitment, an emotional commitment to Taco Bell and a commitment to the partnership, the trust, and we work together on things. And um, it's just amazing. It's, it excites me when I see people love Taco Bell as much as I've loved it over the 30 years. And, I, and you can feel it in the room when you get franchisees together. They're excited. Um, they wear the logo shirt with a lot of pride. When they see the hotel, you know, break the internet and everybody gets excited, that's a moment of pride because I'm part of that brand. And that's the, you know, the secret kind of um, code of a successful franchisor is when you can ignite people to love the brand, um, the rest of it is pretty, pretty darn easy. And, and I'm by no means making that sound easy. That is a, a really big challenge, but it takes a lot uh, years of uh, trial and error, uh, years of transparency and trust uh, and working it. And it's, it's exciting to be part of it. Well, I know you do love the brand because I remember when we were at Yum and I came from KFC and you came from Taco Bell, we would always argue about which was the best brand. I think you would still say Taco Bell and I would say they're all great. So I, I would take the tip. I love them all yeah, too. I, had, I, I still get my KFC fix all the time. Kevin Hockman's doing a great job with that brand and great job. It, uh, it's exciting. I totally agree with you. So let's talk about something that maybe has been hard in the past and when you've had to exit a franchisee. 
what causes a franchisee not to make it in your system? You know, um, I've been pretty, pretty blessed over the last 10 years that because the brand has done well and some, and uh, there are people that really don't, the way they choose, like I, we're, we deal, we're dealing with it today where you've had franchisees call me. I had one call me. He's been with us for 35 years, terrific franchisee, does a great job, uh, owns some restaurants down in Mississippi. And he said, look, it, it's, uh, I think I'm going to retire. And he's 62 years old. And I said, really, I, I'm, I'm excited for you. First off, I'm excited. I'm just, you know, I didn't even tell him I'd be disappointed he's leaving the system. But like, I think like, it's really important to, to recognize just what a franchisee that's been with us for 35 years has gone through, um, what they've put into the brand with us. And we got through the conversation. He said, look, I've got grandkids. I want to spend some more time with the family. I want to travel the world. You know, and, and, and then he said, like, shortly thereafter, he goes, do you think I'm doing the right thing? Hmm. I want to stay because I want to be part of that conference where we all wear our logo shirts and we get excited about things. And, you know, I've been fortunate. There isn't, I can't even think of one specific franchisee that I've had to exit the system because usually the system takes care of itself and people self opt out and say, look, this is, I can't, I don't, I don't have the energy to keep up with the brand anymore. I want to do something different. And then we just try to facilitate the right opportunities for people to do that. And I'm sure there have been people under my watch that have exited the system, but we try to, this is a, I, I hate to use the overword used, overused word family, but it, the Taco Bell family is one where, you know, there's a high expectation to be part of this brand. There's an awesome level of commitment to stay part of the brand. And, um, I'll probably use the word trust 50 times with you today when we talk, but that trust really uh, goes a long ways. That, that, it goes a long way. And I, I don't think you can overuse that word. So let me ask you, Mike, if I'm, if I'm a Taco Bell franchisee and I own 15 restaurants, what does my typical month look like? So if people have no clue what franchising is about, what does it mean to be a franchisee of, of 15 restaurants? Because obviously I can't run those every day by myself. Yeah, the, the typical day, and, and certainly I've never been a franchisee of 15 stores, but when I talk to guys and get in our and gals in our system, here's what I hear. They start off every day looking at the sales report, just like they did when they were working in the restaurant. They immediately talk to their teams about what happened yesterday and, and how's today looking. There's usually some recognition embedded into uh, some goals that we're on target for and people that made it happen. Um, and the day-to-day -day is typically revolves around hiring a, a couple good leaders to run your business and support help with HR and finance. Um, I think the, the broader most franchisees spend time in is, is they look, you know, farther out quarterly, six months, a year, and where the brand is going, because then you can take those vet vision and strategy and tie it back to why we do what we're doing today. Um, the day in the life of a franchisee comes with a lot of twists and turns. Like when you just think of it, you got a payroll to meet every week. You've got people that you've got to take care of. You've got your family you've got to take care of. You've got the brand that has high expectations. That's a lot of, that's a lot of burden. And, uh, and uh, we're, it's, more, it's pretty remarkable to watch our franchisees navigate that and work that. And they, they do it with a lot of energy and enthusiasm and they love their people. And I think that's awesome because that's the recipe for success. What is your, um, that, that was great. Thank you so much. What are your, what are your typical franchisees look like? Like, are they small franchisees, larger franchisees, or kind of explain the mix? Yeah, we, we've changed, it's changed a lot in the last 10 years. Uh, as you mentioned, the Glenn Bell, the, the, the original franchisees, we, we do not have a, a lot of smaller franchisees. We've got 70% um, of our franchisees 
we have 225 franchisees. That's down from about 300 from a few years ago. So we've had some people that have decided to move on, sold their business. Um, we've had new franchisees coming in. Um, the majority of our franchisees are probably around 50 to 80 restaurants. You've got the high end there that are north of 200. Nobody's uh, over 300 really in our system. Uh, there's just a few that are up that high. And generally speaking, there's a mix of family organizations at around 20. We know when you hit 30 restaurants, that's kind of the sweet spot, right? It's big enough to actually have investment in extra resources to help the business grow. Um, less than that, you can still make it happen and be a really profitable business. But you know, you, you, ideally, you get to that thirty, and it just becomes uh, a little bit more easy, to, a little easier to weather the, the ups and downs and month-to-month -month changes in the business. Gotcha. You had talked to me about a new model that seems to be coming out with Sean and Leanne Tui. Would you mind sharing what this, this unbelievable couple is doing in their franchise? Yeah. So Sean and Sean, Sean and Leanne Tui, I had dinner with Sean down in Orlando. And I, 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 for those of you that don't know them, Sean and Leanne Tui are they, they, the movie was made blindside was about them. Um, we all watched it and were amazed at what they did for Michael and the family and the story. Sean has been a Sean and Leanne have been franchisees in the Yum system for many years, particularly with Taco Bell. Uh, and, you know, I think what happened last summer in the world, the pandemic and, and the events uh, um, that happened in Minnesota, I think opened all of our eyes to the responsibility we have in making the world a better place. And, um, you know, I was having dinner with Sean and he says, you know, Mike, I've had a terrific life. I've been blessed and fortunate. Uh, he's still got some restaurants, obviously, but he doesn't have as much as he had before. You know, he said, I really want to create an opportunity for someone that works for me. Um, I have a, an operator that's been a big part of my success for a long, long time. He is a, uh, a great leader with, you know, has built a culture in my company that I'm proud of. And I want to make him an owner. And I said, wow, that, well, that's, that's terrific. How are you thinking about it? And, you know, I, I, I was, I was a little stunned at first because I don't get that conversation often. And he said, look, I, I would like to take four or five restaurants and have him do what he does every day, operate well, build a great culture. And I'm going to teach him, you know, the, the ownership aspect of it, the, 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 how to, how to manage property, how to manage the broader PL, the investments that are required, but I want to give back. Now, you know, when I saw that, I was just taken back because it, it's not a surprise coming from Sean and Leanne to do that because that's the way they are. They're, they're just tremendous people who represent our brand in such a positive way. But there's a lot more of that starting to come to the forefront in the frame. You know, I think the stigma of franchisees sometimes is they're just rich millionaires and all they care about is making money. And I, I just don't see that. I see people that care about people, particularly the ones that work for them, looking for opportunity. I've had I had a, a gentleman that works, that used to work for me, uh, another great operator. Um, a few years ago, he called me and he said, look, I'm looking for a new opportunity. I want to go work with a franchisee. And I said, why? And he said, you know what? I've, I've had a really good career and I think I can do more and I want to, I want to get out there and try it. And so we set him up with one of our West Coast franchisee, 150 store operator at the time. And I said, you go do what you do for us and go do it well. And, and that franchisee, this new franchisee is going to be really, uh, really lucky to have you. About four years after that moment, he came back to me and he said, hey, can I talk to you for a minute, Mike? I said, sure. He goes, I just want to tell you how grateful I am that I got the opportunity. What I've learned 
Um, it's changed my my wealth has changed. I'm now an owner in the business. It's just changed the course. Those are the stories that are happening every day in the franchise world. And for us, I think as a brand, we've got to amplify it. I think in our group of franchisees, particularly because it is large and it is successful, is continue to find ways to make their mark outside of the Taco Bell world um, and just demonstrate the, the good uh, and great things they do with their people every single day. I really appreciate you sharing all that because I've heard a number of stories how many franchisees do share in the ownership. And so let's talk a little bit about opportunities in franchising because it's not just with a major franchisor such as your job or the job that I had working for the franchisor, but the opportunities in the, for, for, with franchisees and the opportunities maybe with a supplier who works in the franchising industry. Can you talk a little bit more about all the opportunities available? Yeah. So, so number one, all of that is linked together, right? It's part, I'll go, I could use the same words with partnership and trust with our suppliers. Um, there's a, there's a ton of opportunity. It's really, I get this call all the time, Mike, I want to be a talk about franchisee. Can you give me the number that I can call so that I can just want to do one restaurant? I, I'm going to do it. And, you know, and, and you, you got to get through the excitement of, you know, the, the, what you're hearing on the other end of the phone and someone's enthused about Taco Bell to, to get like, hey, look, it doesn't necessarily work that way. It's hard to go build your way into a brand, particularly a mature brand. Um, but what I what we try to do when people come to us with opportunities uh, or the desire to be part of the Taco Bell system is you try to find opportunities and, and healthy places for people to land or start their opportunity. Um, whether it's connecting between franchisees and say, look, I've got this 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 young this young person right out of business school and they want to be a big business owner. So do you have room for an intern to try it out for the summer with a franchisee? So we do a lot of that and I see that happening a lot. I think look, the challenge of for franchising in the future is it's really hard for an uh, someone to to, you know, when you're talking about selling a group of restaurant taco bells at 150 restaurants at, you know, that's a three or $400 million deal. That's hard to acquire and have, you know, get banks to get behind you in that. So I think a couple of things that we're doing right now at Yum, because we recognize the future of this is, is huge. And I think your, your university experience is going to play a big role in this, but it's unlocking opportunities. We now have our exploring programs with our current restaurant management teams and saying, how can you earn the right to be the owner? How can we create the opportunity for you or unlock something for you? So I think that's like the way of the future of where it will come from. Uh, And I think just in general, as the evolution continues to go is, you know, us staying grounded on the people experience, making sure we have great operators to pair up with, with people that are interested in the system and provided those opportunities and the brand continues to do well, it should be really not that hard at all. I love that, that the model is changing and opportunities are becoming available to everyone. Mm -hmm. And I do think we'll see more and more of that. And a lot of it is the education, but a lot of it's the capital and then just getting the opportunity. But I heard uh, David Gibbs say to me not long ago, and he actually said to a group of my students, just start working in a franchise that you're interested in. And that's really what you did. So I'm Mm. not even sure you understood you were working for a company or a franchise restaurant at the time. It probably didn't even register. So I want to ask you this one question. I'm going to ask all of my guests. Take yourself back to 1991, if you can. That's a long time ago, Mike Mm. Grams, 1991. So think about what do you wish you knew about franchising at that moment? It's easy. I wish at the time I knew just how much hard work went, how much hard work and risk went into becoming a franchisee, a successful franchisee is I had no idea. Uh, I thought you just owned that logo. 
um, you serve food every day, you're paying your employees and, and you made a lot of money. That was my perception from afar, way wrong and way off base. Uh, I had no idea about the humble beginnings, the failures that franchisees go through to become successful. Um, I, I hear and see them every single day and it still warms my heart just to hear that they, they, the perseverance that they go through to, to get where they are today. And, and you just don't appreciate that when in 1991, I had no idea that a franchisee put their life savings into one or two restaurants and, uh, you know, I still had to get their kids through school and do all those things. And, you know, just think of it. If you put your money into the restaurant and the very next year, the brand doesn't have a good year, your investment. Okay. That, that's the kind of stuff that goes into franchising, right? Um, and, and that is just remarkable to watch that story. There's books written about them. You can find them all over successful business, that entrepreneurial spirit that gets in and the risk and the courage. It's amazing. I wish I would have, you know, personally for me earlier in my career, I think if I'd have had that appreciation, I certainly wouldn't have, wouldn't have been able to even have a bigger impact on franchisees in those early days. Thank you so much. So any last words of advice or that you want to add to this podcast? No, no. Look, I think first off, thank you for the invite. Thank you for what you're doing. I've watched and been part of your career and you were one of those special people that I learned a lot from. I learned about whole business thinking. I learned about um, data and customers. I learned about relationships, uh, particularly as you managed a lot of that KFC system for a long time. But I think, look, as we continue to, to impact the world going forward um, from our seats in, in, in this, it, it is about giving back to our people. So for the students that get a chance to be part of this, you know, reach out, find mentors, find people, put yourself in a position where you can learn from the back of the room. Um, and when you get in that moment, never stop listening, never stop really uh, showing uh, people that, that you're, you're open to new ways of doing things and, and value the relationship because it can get you a long ways. Thank you, Mike. You have given us a lot today. Thank you so much. Thanks, Kath. Franchise U is brought to you by the Yum Center for Global Franchise Excellence at the University of Louisville. For more information on the center, visit business.louisville.edu slash yumcgfe. Thank you for listening to Franchise U.